Well, good morning, everyone. And uh, I want to say that it's good to see you here today. And we are continuing our series on small groups and talking about the importance of being connected. And I'm going to say our small group has, uh, has really gelled nicely. We've had some wonderful times together. And, uh, you know, you, 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 you sign up for this. You really don't know what you're going to get out of it. But I'm going to tell you, you make that commitment to, to others and, and then watch the fruit that comes out of that. We have just really been enjoying ourselves. You know, we, uh, we go from church on Sunday because we're hosting a group. It, we just, we make a sort of a mad dash of the house, try to tidy everything up, make sure everything's clean and tidy and smells good. And uh, we just just finished on time for the first doorbell ring. And uh, it, it, it just seems that that time goes so quickly. And, you know, we're, we're tired and we're weary and Gloria and I are looking at each other, exhausted and, uh, and just thinking, oh, we've got another three hours to go. But I'm going to tell you this. At the end of the evening, we are so refreshed, so encouraged, and we both agree that really it's, the, it's one of the best hours of the whole week. So if you're not experiencing that yet, then um, I want to encourage you, if you haven't signed up yet, get prepared for the next round of Bible studies uh, or small groups that are coming up real quickly. Last week we talked about, uh, in our group anyway, and I hope that in your group, uh, talking about doing some outreach, something that we can do as a group to, to bless people. And so our group decided that we were going to bless our Bible college students. So we have a slide there. These guys here, I don't know if you know it or not, but uh, they do belong to our church, but they're not here every Sunday. It's because they're in Saskatoon in Bible college preparing for ministry. And so we felt that what we should do is just let them know that we love them, that we're thinking of them, just bless them somehow. So our group is tonight going to be gathering all sorts of uh, items that we can put in our care package for them. And uh, that's what we're doing as a group. We're, we recognize that we're a team. I don't know if you recognize how important it is to understand that we are called to do life together and not alone. If there's ever been a metaphor for uh, what Christianity is all about, if you want to use a, a sports metaphor, it would be a hockey team. A Canadian hockey team. <laughs> Men or women. If there's ever been a, a sport that is the antithesis to what Christianity is, it would be golf. And does anybody know why? You're on your own, baby. You're on your own. So here's the thing. So many of us go through life, uh, metaphorically speaking, playing golf. And God wants us to play hockey. Now, you can go from here tonight, and, or from here this afternoon, and tell everybody God wants us to play hockey. But you, you'll notice this. When we play together, when we function together, when we do what God wants us to do together, when we score those goals together, when we have those wins together, it changes life drastically. The sad thing is, is that so many people try to make it on their own. They try to do it on their own. In fact, if you, I don't know how many people here watch some of the hockey games, but we, we know this, that the, the teams that were tightest, that played like a team, were the ones that did the best. I don't know if anybody saw the game between Finland and the USA. Did you see that? It was the most disgraceful thing I've ever seen. America lost five to nothing to Finland. Oh, losers. (laughs) Okay, I'm just teasing, right? We love our American brothers and sisters. And if there are any Americans here today, uh, I'm just joking. (laughs) 
just, just having some fun. So God wants, us, God wants us to go through life together, to play together, to be tight. Now, it's interesting that when, that, when, the, when the American team sort of lost hope, when they stopped thinking that they could actually make it, they stopped functioning as a team. And, man, the, 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 the finish just kept popping those goals in. In fact, there's a famous player on that team that we all know really well. Anybody know his name? Salani, there we go. Yeah. Yeah, and I thought, you know what? It's Canada again, you know. The influence of Canada helped the Finns against Americans. For 2,000 years, God has called us to function as a team, to be together, to do life together. There's some people who think that they can do it on their own, that all that matters is that they have this relationship with God and, you know, everything else is sort of fluff. It doesn't matter. If you have been living your Christian life under the under that notion that you could do it alone, you, you obviously don't know your Bible. Because from Genesis to Revelation, it's a book about right relationships with God and with each other. When I was growing up uh, in church, we, we sort of had this idea that Christianity was all about all the things you shouldn't do, all the laws and the rules, and you've got to make sure you memorize the, the laws. We call them the Ten Commandments, don't we? We memorize the Ten Commandments. And then try not to break any rules. Now, I'm going to tell you, it's, it's good to memorize the Ten Commandments. It's good to know the rules. It's good to know what God wants you to do and what God doesn't want you to do. The problem is, is that if you think that that's all that Christianity is, it won't be long before you say, hey, I can't do this anymore. What God has called us to is a relationship with him and a relationship to each other. And I'm going to say this to you. You cannot grow spiritually alone. You will not develop spiritually if you try to do it all by yourself. What you and I need is each other. You and I need each other to help each other stay on track, to hold each other accountable. You and I need each other to help each other grow because we can't make it on our own. Now, I don't know if anybody saw the women playing. Uh, It was one of the most exciting games I've ever seen in my life. There, in the third period, towards the last half of the third period, Canada pops a goal in. And they kept playing like a team that's going to win. Now, this is the difference. America was exactly the same spot that the women were in. This is why one of the coaches told their players, make sure you play like girls. I thought that was really good. I don't know if you saw that. But here they are, women in the last, what, 50 seconds They scored the second goal, tied it up, went into overtime. And then what happened is that the poor American women hockey players panicked. They got scared. They stopped playing offensively. They started playing defensively. They started to play like losers. Canadians were playing like winners as a team. And you saw what happened. When you start playing defensively, you start taking cheap shots, and before you know it, the poor U.S. team has lost players to the penalty box. And then what you saw was one of the most glorious things I've ever seen in sports. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And there are the Canadians around the U.S. net, and there's those poor American women trying to hold back the Canadians. And back and forth the puck went until finally they saw their shot, popped it in, and we won. As I watched that, I thought, man, this is such a glorious metaphor for what the Christian life is supposed to be. 
The Bible tells us clearly that you and I are more than winners. Okay, the word is actually conquerors, but you get the point. We are more than winners through Christ. We are more than conquerors through Christ. So the the question is this. How do we live and function in that victory? How are we winners? How are we conquerors? I'll tell you. By doing life together. This is God's will for us. And if you know your New Testament, if you know your Bible, if you have actually read it, you will discover that the whole New Testament is about how you and I should love each other and how you and I should help each other. So look at the scripture verse in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. The Apostle Paul has written a letter to the believers in the city of Colossus, and this is what he says to them. He says, let the message about Christ, in all its richness, fill your lives. We'll just stop there for a moment. Because what we see here is a metaphor, not a metaphor, is an agenda for small groups. This is what should happen in your small group. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Now this first, the first part of that verse, let the message about Christ in all its riches fill your lives. This is something that you and I have to do on a daily basis before we ever go to small group. That's why those who have heard the the series on the seven habits of of a serious Christ follower, like the disciplines of the Christ follower, you know that at the top of the list is that, that first habit of having a daily walk with God, a daily relationship with Christ. This is this is the difference between having a religion and having a relationship with God. And there's a lot of very religious people out there that go through the religious rituals but don't have any kind of a notion or idea what it means to actually have a relationship with God. And so what we're saying here is that you have to have function. You have to, you have, to have that discipline of having a daily walk with God, literally filling your life with Christ, experiencing the richness of Jesus' teachings and, and, and Jesus' attitude, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. So when you come to the small group, you've already been primed by the Holy Spirit. You've already received a word from God. And then it goes on to say this. So we talked about the pre-meeting. Before the small group ever happens, you've been connected with God. The next thing that happens is this. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. So what's happening is that you, come, you and I come together and you and I encourage each other. We uplift one another. We challenge each other. We encourage each other. We hold each other accountable. We speak into each other's lives. We say, this week when I was reading my Bible, here's what God said to me. And we share that with one another. And so what happens is this glorious exchange of revelation, this glorious exchange of things that God has spoken into our hearts. And we teach each other. And we counsel each other with the wisdom God gives. Now, for so many people, they have never experienced that. My prayer is that you will come into a brand new understanding, a brand new appreciation for what God wants to do in your life through your small group. I'm going to tell you, you cannot advance spiritually on your own. You need each other. You need to support each other. You need to encourage each other. Now, here's the thing. There's the assumption that the people who are in a small group are humble enough to receive instruction, to receive guidance, to receive help. Humble enough to have somebody in the group say, can I pray for you? Can I walk with you through this thing you're going through? 
Here's what I know about everybody here today. None of us wants anybody to know what's really going on in our life. I want to keep that secret. We don't want to let anybody know that we're human. We don't want anybody to know that we have weaknesses and that we fail and we struggle and we sometimes give into temptation. We're afraid that somebody somehow is going to maybe condemn us or judge us or put us down or, or gossip about us or talk about us behind our back. Can I just remind everybody of something here? There's not one person here who could say, I've got a clean record. I never make a mistake. I never sin. I'm, I'm, I'm probably one of the most perfect people in this church. We've got names for people like that. They're liars. <laughs> Worst case. Best case, they're narcissists. They really think that they've got it all together. The fact is, is that all of us are in, equally in need of God's mercy and God's grace. Would anybody say amen to that? Amen. We all need God's grace. We all need God's forgiveness. We all need God's strength. We all need God to help us through this difficult life. So God says this. It doesn't work for you to do it alone. You need a small group. Now, here's what most of us don't understand about this life, is that this life is really very soul-shredding. This life just shreds us. It just chews us up and spits us out in little pieces. Most of us are not even aware of it because we've just sort of been you know, callous to the idea. We've lived so long like this, we're not even aware of it anymore. But this life is tough, really tough. You get up in the morning, get ready for work, you're exhausted, you're tired, and you think to yourself, man, I gotta go face my boss, I gotta face some of my, my coworkers. Oh. And you just think, you, you, you have these fantasies of winning a million or two and going to Hawaii or Sochi for the Olympics, whatever. But anywhere but here. You know what I'm talking about. Soul shredding. Going to that place that you call work, where you've got you to guard your backside. Stressful. Maybe it's mind-numbing work. Doesn't do anything to promote you. They don't really care about you. They only care, the boss only cares about himself. You know the feeling. And on the way to work, you're driving and people are cutting you off or driving too slow or driving too fast. You know what I'm talking about. And by the time you, before you ever get to work, you know, you've, your soul's been shredded by the people you faced on the road. You finish work, you come home, and then you suddenly remember, oh yeah, I've been fighting with my husband. I've been fighting with my wife. I've been fighting with my kids. And as you're coming through the door, taking off your coat, you're putting on your gloves, ready for round 3,046. You know what I'm talking about? And you think to yourself, well, maybe I'll just sort of, I'll just sort of you know, put that on the shelf. I won't face that right now. I'll deal with, the, I'll deal with it another day. I just won't talk to them. I'll, I'll give her the silent treatment. I just won't talk to my kids. I'll, I'll make sure they, I'll teach them a lesson. You get your own food. You think of turn on the media and maybe just sort of distract yourself from the problems of life only to turn on the CNN and it's all bad news. And why is it bad news? Because everybody likes bad news. Bad news sells. Good news doesn't sell. That's why you don't hear good news. And you think to yourself, man, I should just cut my wrist right now and just end it all right here, right now. And at the end of the news, you've put on your sitcom and it's filthy, filthy language, filthy 
jokes, filthy ideas, and all this is permeating your mind, all this negativity, all this evil. When Gloria and I were in Greece, we were um, missionaries there for four and a half years. We didn't have a TV. I'm going to tell you something. This is an experiment you might want to try. After you've been away from the media for four and a half years and then you come back to it, it's the shock of your life. So we landed in Toronto. We had an evening with some friends of ours, our family members of ours, and they said, well, hey, why don't we watch a movie tonight? You probably haven't done that for a while. So yeah, for four and a half years we haven't done that. Well, why don't we watch Smokey and the Bandit? I'd never seen Smokey and the Bandit, and I don't think anybody here would say that is a particularly bad movie. But for someone who's not watched anything for four and a half years, turn out Smokey and the Bandit, and I was horrified, utterly and completely horrified. I'm thinking to myself, would Jesus watch this? Some of you are uncomfortable with this, I I can see. But the point is, is our hearts become callous. We don't even see what's bad. We don't even see what's negative. We don't even see the effects of what we're being exposed to on a daily basis. And our heart is numb. And our soul is being shredded. And then we got back to Winnipeg. I said to Gloria, we can't watch those kind of movies. Let's go get an old musical. Has anybody ever heard of Rodgers and Hammerstein? Anybody heard of that? Oh, what a beautiful. Uh, Oh, what a beautiful. Aren't you glad I'm not singing it? Um, It's like 1950s. So I'm, we're watching, yeah, so it's, it's, it's a long time ago. Um, we're watching this with Gloria's father, the Reverend John Housen, the right Reverend John Housen, my father-in-law, the son-in-law that, you know, married his daughter, and Mrs. Reverend Housen. Very conscious of my in-laws who are very spiritual people, and all of a sudden, the dance scene comes on. This is, remember, folks, this is a long time ago. It's all pretty, you know, pretty clean stuff. These girls have got nothing on. Legs bare to there. You can't go any higher. And I'm sitting there beside Mrs. Housen, and I don't dare look over. I mean, it's an awkward, it's like right out of the movies. We're sitting there, sitting there watching this, and I'm, I got my eyes closed, and I'm thinking, oh, Lord, what have I done? because they'd never seen this. And I want to run to the thing and pop it out and put an end to the whole uncomfortable affair. But you see, I, I was sensitive to this because I hadn't been exposed to the soul-shredding industry called Hollywood. And most of us here don't even, are not even aware of it. Now look, I'm not standing here as a prude. I'm not standing here as somebody who's saying, you know, you know, when you get home, get a sledgehammer and kill your TV. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is this, is that maybe you are in worse shape than you even realize because all the effects of this life are wearing you down. Maybe on the way home from work, you think, oh, well, I forgot to get some groceries. I better pop into Superstore. And you get there, and there's a spot waiting for you. You're about to drive in, but some driver gets there before you, gives you the finger on the way into your spot. And you think to yourself, what should I do? Should I accidentally ram him? It'd be worth paying the deductible (laughs) to teach him a lesson. You know the thoughts that go through your mind. Come on, tell me I'm not the only one that thinks that. (laughs) I'm a pastor. Come on. uh... (laughs) 
And you let it go, and you say, Jesus, uh, you know, do something here, help me. So you find your, grudgingly find another spot, and you go get your, you go get your shopping cart, which you have to pay a dollar for, but then you realize, this is a cashless society. Nobody carries money. Superstore didn't know this yet. You run into the store, you go to the front, you go to the till, they go, oh, we don't do that. You gotta go to the, you gotta go to the desk. You go to the desk, take a number. I gotta take a number to wait in line to get a dollar so I can use a, I can spend five or six hundred dollars in your store. Yeah, that's what you gotta do. And don't argue with me. You get your loony, you go to the parking lot, you get your basket, but you can't run over those. Has anybody, anybody live here in Winnipeg and know what the roads are like? Anybody know how hard it is to get from the baskets into the store, which you have to go through? I mean, our roads look like Beirut. And we've got we to navigate this basket through. And now you don't know the real condition of this basket because this basket is going over lots of holes and whatever. It's not until you get inside into the warm store and take your hat and your gloves off and you realize that the front wheels on your basket don't work. <laughs> right? You know what I'm talking about? It's soul-crushing. You paid a dollar for this thing, and it doesn't even work. And by the way, on your way in, you notice that there's 50 handicapped spots that are all empty. And you're parked a long way from the store. So here you are, get your groceries. Somebody rams into the back of you, and you want to, you know, you just want to tell them, you know, get a license or something. <laughs> but then you realize that they're having troubles with their cart the same way you are, and it's not their fault. After this horrible experience, you get into line. Uh, I don't know if you've ever gone through the self-scanning line. I lose hair when I go there. <laughs> pull it out of your head. And, just, and then you tell, ask the girl, would you come over and help me? And then you've got to get her back three or four times. And the, the whole time, the stupid computer is telling you, would you put your thing on the... Put your thing on the... <laughs> put it back. It's like... And I'm picking that thing. I'm slamming it on the thing, trying to. It's it's on there. I'm, I hear. I'm, I'm I'm talking now to a computer. I'm an educated man. I've been in the I'm in the ministry for years. I got children. And I'm, I'm arguing with a computer. And then the girl comes along and says, "It acts like like a total moron." Well, I am a moron. Right? What can I say? I don't know how to use this thing. You get back into your car. You. You put the card away, and you think to yourself, man, it'd just be easier to fast. <laughs> Soul shredding. One time I went to Superstore, and I, I said to the woman who just finished emptying her card, here, I'll give you a buck. Can I have your card? She says, sure. So I give her a buck, go out my groceries. When I went to put my card away, popped it out. It was a, it was a, a bread bag tab. <laughs> Soul shredding. It's only a buck, but you think to yourself, this person stole a dollar off me and doesn't even care. Soul shredding. Now, how do we get through this life? It's tough. At the end of that day, you've... you've You've braved your boss, you've braved driving in Winnipeg, on Winnipeg streets with potholes that could 
We could bury small children in them. You're, you're fighting with your husband, your wife, your kids. You turn on the, the TV, it's bad news, it's filth, it's dirt, it's negative. And then you go to bed and then you're faced with yourself. And there you are laying, laying there, trying to go to sleep, but then all of a sudden you start to remember all the bills you have to pay and your financial problems, your financial woes. And the, the way you made a fool of yourself at lunch today and you wish you could go back and straighten that up and that person who put you down and you should have said this and should have said that and if I, would, if I could do it again, I'd say this to them and I'd really set them, anybody know what I'm talking about? And there you are, all your worries, all your fears, all your pain, all your hurt, it's all there. And your soul is shredded by this. Now here's the thing, folks. <laughs> Jesus Christ came and showed us a new way to live because we don't get it right very well. We're not good at this. We're not good at doing life. And Jesus says you need to do it together. He sets us an example. He calls some disciples around him and says, you're going to be my small group, and for the next three years, we're going to be hanging out together, getting to know each other, loving each other, and doing my work. The point of your small group is that it's a place where you get together to encourage each other and to build each other up in this soul-shredding world. Look what it says here in 1 Thessalonians 5.11. This is another church in the city of Thessaloniki. And Paul says this to the believers there. So, well, let's read it together. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. See, this is what we do when we get together. We encourage each other. We speak words of kindness to each other. We build one another up. We remind each other that God is sovereign. How many know that God is sovereign? He's in charge. And even when things don't work out the way you think they should work out, God doesn't mean God's not still in charge. We remind each other that God actually loves us and cares about us and wants us to do well. He wants us to succeed. That's what small groups are about. And if somebody in the group is struggling and having a difficult time, we help them out. We pray for them. We love them. We listen to, the, to their story of pain, and then we say, can I pray for you? Yet so many people prefer to do life alone. So many people think they can make it on their own. And I'm telling you right now, you can't. And you already know that. You've experienced it. The thing about the church is it's a place where you come and you are embraced, you are loved, you are accepted, and you make it together through this difficult life. You know, this past week, um, uh, I got some really nice texts and emails from people just out of the blue. And uh, here's what one of them said. Um, I want you to know that I think you're great. I, I substituted the word great. It was another word, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. I th want you to know that I think you're great, and it's great to serve alongside of you. Out of the blue. And it's amazing how when you make those connections with people that you say, I'm going to be committed to you, and they make a commitment to you, then suddenly you are encouraging each other and you're helping each other get through life. And when suddenly, all the hassles of pressures and... I mean, I was at Walmart looking at something that was on sale. A little, little old lady comes up to me, rips it out of my hand, and says, I'll take that. <laughs> I'm, I'm a middle-aged man, 
my prime? What am I going to say to a little old lady that just decided that she wants that thing more than I do? Right in my hand, in the midst of that kind of soul-shredding experiences, I get a text like that. just want you to know, I think you're great. I think it's a blessing to serve alongside of you. I got another text from somebody, um, actually two weeks ago, and here's what they said. They said, how are you doing this week, Alan? You have a lot on your plate, I bet. Praying for you and Gloria. Wow. I'm not doing this life alone. I got another text. Out of the blue, smiley face, and the simple phrase, three words, God is good. Out of the blue. Just a reminder I needed. It could be okay. You can't do life alone. I got another email. It said, hi, um, I've been meaning to shoot this email out to you after the first Bible study at your house. I want you and Gloria to know that we are very appreciative that you have opened your home to host the Bible study. Let us know if there's anything we can do to make this easier for you. Thanks again. See you soon. Wow. You know, some people, there's actually two kinds of people in this world. There's uh, people who who take, and there's people who give. The point of a small group is it's a place where you and I learn how to actually be like Jesus, to follow and listen to the voice of the one who said it's more blessed to give than to receive. A lot of people nowadays, we don't, we don't, we've forgotten that. We think, man, it's, it's about me. They come to church, and they, they've come here to figure out what they can get, rather than saying, what can I give? What can I share? How can I help? How can I make a difference? The wonderful thing about our small group is our small group is really learning how to care for each other. And everybody's there to say, what can I contribute? What can I share? What can I, what can, how can we help? What can we do? And I'm going to tell you, it feels like family. And I think to myself, well, what a wonderful way to end the week. Now, for me, I'm ending the week on Sunday. You're, you're starting the week on Sunday, but I'm ending the week on Sunday. And I think, man, this is a great way to end the week. Feeling loved and supported, encouraged, and enabled to face this soul-shredding world. See, our job as, as brothers and sisters is to uplift each other, to point each other to God, to remind each other that whatever it is that we're facing, whatever difficulty or struggle that we're looking at, no matter how difficult or impossible the whole thing seems, we end up pointing each other to Jesus. And then suddenly we realize I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's what you and I remind each other of. That's what you and I tell each other. We can do it. There was a little book that came out in the 1980s called, I think maybe the 80s or maybe the 70s, called Power and Praise. I don't know if anybody remembers that, written by the Carruthers. It was is one of the good things that came out of the charismatic movement. But basically, the authors of the book are reminding believers that we need to get into the habit of constantly giving praise and thanks to God. Now, folks, that's, that's especially what's supposed to happen in your small group. Take a look at that verse again. If we could flip back to that verse. 
It says, sing songs to one another. It sings, it says, remind each other of those psalms that are encouraging and uplifting. And, and do it with thankful hearts. So when you and I get together at our small group, we're not getting together to gossip or to condemn or judge or put anybody down. We're getting together to remind each other that God's in charge and God's doing good things. We get together and we, we tell each other the good things that God has done in our life this week. And before long, after this great praise fest, because that's really what it is, we all end up saying God is, is good. He's still in control. And this soul-shredding life that we're all experiencing doesn't have to get us down. We can be more than conquerors through Christ. You and I, as followers of Christ, are to speak words of encouragement to each other, are to speak words that build each other up. Because I can tell you there's a world out there that's really and willing to knock you down, to destroy you. I mean, how many of us are scared to go to Thanksgiving dinner, Christmas dinner? Why? Because it's the one time of the year we have to face our families. And you know it's coming. you got to do it, right? You show up, and then you, the torpedoes fly. With a small group, you're part of a family that loves Jesus, that is priority it is to build you up and not to tear you down, to encourage you, not to discourage you, to love you, not to disparage you. Folks, that is what small groups is about. And here's how I know that a small, my small group works. And here's how you'll know whether your small group is working. At the end of the night, when you go home, you won't want to go home. At the end of the night, you will feel refreshed, You'll feel like, oh, I've just been to the spa. Folks, you don't need to spend $100 at the spa. Go to a small group. It's free. Except you may have to bring a few donuts. Or whatever you eat. When you go away, you feel, listen to this, you feel hope about tomorrow. When's the last time you felt a real hope about tomorrow? Where you think, you know what? I've got a bright future ahead. Why? Because Jesus Christ is walking with me, and not just Jesus Christ, but my small group is walking with me through this difficult life. And I am more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. When you are at a small group, folks, I was going to say it gives you gas, but, <laughs> but, what, I, what, I, but what I want to say is it gives you fuel. It gives you fuel for your tank. It gives you the ability to face another day, to face another week, to face another trial, another difficulty, because you know you're not doing it alone. Would you stand with me, please, as we pray? God, we just want to say we're so thankful for the family of God. And we know that, that the authentic family of God is a place that's full of of love and care. There's no judgment. There's no condemnation. There's no gossip. There's no backbiting. It's just a, just a simple and beautiful love for each other and encouraging each other.
God, help us, we pray, that when we get together, we're careful to give praise and thanks to God so that we can remind the people around us that you're still sovereign, you're still in charge. God, thank you. Thank you for what you do in our life. And God, we know that as long as we're in this, on this earth, it, it, it's going to be a, sh- a soul-shredding experience. It's just the way it is. But our faith reminds us that we're looking forward to a better place. This world is not our home. But until we get to our better home, our new home called heaven, we have a taste of heaven right here. And we experience it the most when we're in our small group. So God, we thank you for your love and for your help. We thank you, God, for for this wonderful strategy to to help us through this life. And it's the strategy called small groups. God, help us, we pray, to be a people who are in the habit of uplifting each other and encouraging each other, building each other up, and helping each other face another day. And so we thank you for your love for us in Jesus' name. Everyone said it with me? Would you tell the person beside you There's hope for tomorrow. You're going to be okay.